4 o'clock football frenzy. Hey, you hit me so hard down there. Presented by Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans. Call him now at 702-577-2600. The 4 o'clock football frenzy on Cofield and Company. Company. Candy, Hill, Ari, Finley Toyota Studios, Football Frenzy. Give me a crunch. (laughs) Daniel Snyder can find a way to screw up anything in Washington. (laughs) Anything at all. Even when he gets it right, he gets it wrong. And they're about to screw it up again. Because we found out today that the Washington football team is on February 2nd going to announce the new name of the Washington football team. Oh, when are they announcing it? I believe it's February 2nd, sir. The Groundhogs? Oh, my. Hadn't even thought of it. (laughs) They should. This winter will never end. So there is a Washington football team that we have actually come to be okay with its name, right? There is a a (laughs) Washington football team. We are cool calling them the WFT. We're cool calling them the football team. But they can't just leave well enough alone because they never intended to get to well enough in the first place. So, Adam... Are they going to be the defenders? Are they going to be the commanders? The Red Hogs? The Armada? What's it going to be? We found out today that it's likely to be one of those names, but some of the names didn't make it through the Bill Foley Memorial. Other teams have these names trademarked, and we don't want to deal with it. Yeah, uh, that is that is a tough, a tough part of the process because you can't just name whatever you want. Um, you're not good with any of them. You said there's eight finalists. I mean, I'm kind of cool with. I don't. I don't mind the presidents. I don't mind the defenders. Commanders. That's pretty good. Red Wolves. They're not. They're not terrible. They're not terrible, but you've stumbled onto something that is actually unique. We are the Washington Football Team. Sure. Right. Like, by the time you go choose one of those other names that we just mentioned, yeah, it might be great for the identity of who you want to be. But the thing of it is, like, football team is actually kind of cool for just what it is. Who are you? We're the Washington football team. Oh, what are you, what are you, what's your mascot? The football team. We are the football team. Uh, I think going as anonymous as possible is probably the best choice for Dan Snyder, period, right? Like, I wouldn't want to draw any more attention to this team than I had to since, oh, by the way, uh, the one thing that we still haven't found out is any of the results of the NFL investigation uh, that led to John Gruden ultimately getting fired, and we still haven't heard anymore about where any of that's going, but, you know, that's obviously so a, a story for Maybe day. we'll learn more about the results of that investigation on, like, February 1st, and then they'll wouldn't that be gorgeous? drop the name on the 2nd. I would love that, right? It's it's like Facebook and Meta. Sure. Are you ever going to call it Meta? By the way, no. I'm like I am on principle. I, those words will never come out of my mouth. Oh, it's Meta. No, never. No, well, tr- I usually don't talk about Facebook either. Well, I mean, sometimes you have no choice but to sure, talk about it. I, I mean, I mean, look, I am I'm absolutely that a hole who tells everybody, oh yeah, I nuked my Facebook a long time ago. Like I like I'm that guy where when you mention a TV series to somebody, they're like, oh, I don't really watch a lot of TV. Uh, like yeah, no, I, I yeah, ne- neither do I. So I can be cool like you. 
Like, no, that's not me, but I absolutely am the person I mean, who's like, oh yeah, my life is better without Facebook. I watched four full hours of Cobra Kai last night. I'm not I'm not ashamed of that. Uh I did I I will say I, I kept Facebook, but I don't really use it. I'm shameless. Um I know that when I drop my stories on there, it gets a lot better interaction than it does, you know, through Twitter or, or other sites. So I use it for that, uh, and that's about it. I I really don't go on other than to, you know, drop a you know a link to a story on there and then participate in the discussion if there is any, if people have questions. But that's about it. That's all I use it for. Uh, but I know that's not what we're talking about. We're <laughs> talking about the football team. Uh, that's no, about, we're, we're, we, I don't mind. I don't a, mind talking about that. No, it's about how often I talk about the football team as well. Like <laughs> yeah, one fair. day, whatever they play, the Raider. All right. Well, let's let's talk about something else with the football team, and it is a metaphor for everything that has happened in the Dan Snyder era. And we can say this a little bit jokingly just because it worked out okay. Otherwise, we would be having a an entirely different discussion about fans crowding the railing at FedEx Field and nearly crushing Jalen Hurts. Uh, people did get hurt in this whole thing. Uh, Jalen Hurts narrowly avoided getting hurt as they tried to reach out, slap his hand as he walked through the tunnel and... Of course, who is stepping up in this situation, right? Is it the authorities? Is it the Washington football team? Is it Danny Boy Snyder? No. It's Jalen Hurts, who is the one who sent a letter to the Washington football team asking, what are you going to do about the fact that I, the quarterback of a team going to the playoffs, nearly got crushed by the fans of your team, which can't pick a name and sure as hell isn't going to the playoffs, in the stands, Adam... How is it that Jalen Hurts has to be the one to say something here? By the way, it, it, it is, I mean, it's kind of funny, and I know it's treated in a, in a funny manner because of the way that everybody went from falling down to, you know, taking selfies. Uh, it's actually not selfies because other people are taking the photos, but, you know, they're taking photos with Jalen Hurts. So it ended up kind of as a funny, lighthearted moment. It nearly wasn't, as you mentioned. It is, listen, it is absolutely not hyperbole to say Jalen Hurts could have died. Nope. It's not at all. A railing with about, what was it, 25 fans, I would say, falls directly on him. That's all that weight of the railing plus all the weight of those fans could have come directly down on Jalen Hurts if that happened, what, two seconds later? Uh, so it's it's not crazy to say he could have died. He could have absolutely been very seriously injured. His career could have been in absolute jeopardy. From that, like this is not a silly or funny thing. It's also not. I saw people say, "Well, clearly they need a new stadium." It's not really the stadium; it's really the organization of the tunnel more than anything. Uh, that was that was unacceptable in every way, and it do, it does turn out, you know, to be. Although, as you said, people were hurt. You know, nobody died. Fortunately, people did get hurt by it. Like that's a really, really ugly scene that was very, very narrowly averted. And the security, according to one fan who was interviewed by the local media, they asked, what did security tell you? Like, they make sure you're okay? The fan said, they told us to get the F off the field. <laughs> yes. You know not what? surprised. That is, that is absolutely 100% perfect. Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans brings you the 4 o'clock football frenzy. Dial 702-577-2600 now. Home prices have never been higher and interest rates have never been lower. Get your mortgage tune-up today by calling 577-2600. Now, back to Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas.
L.A. football team, another L.A. football team kind of coming on to talk about both of these theoretical L.A. teams. Our man, Miles Simmons from Pro Football Talk on with Adam Candy, Adam Hill, this company takeover here on Cofield and Company. Miles, it is, in my opinion, the biggest football game in the history of this city, which maybe isn't saying all that much uh, when it comes to what UNLV has uh, has brought here over the years. But the Raiders, the Chargers, are you feeling the energy, the buzz, the excitement over this wild card playing game? I personally am. Um, I don't know if the city is necessarily, but uh, you know, I think that might be a product of the Chargers. Hey, maybe Raiders fans are a little bit more. Um, but yeah, no, this is a this is a big big matchup, and I think the fact that it's two AFC West rivals, two teams that really do kind of represent Los Angeles, even though you know the Raiders are now of Las Vegas. I think that that is a really really huge matchup, and yeah, I mean. I, when you started bringing up UNLV, I'm like, well, yeah, of course it's the you know uh, the biggest football game in the history of Los Angeles because it's only been there for two years. But I don't follow college football as much as the NFL, so I guess that's why I only think of the pros when uh, I think of football. <laughs> uh, certainly understandable, and we don't need to fill you in on the history here in this particular moment as we get ready for <laughs> Sunday night football here in Vegas. Uh, Obviously, a big upset win for the Raiders going to Indianapolis, a team that a lot of people had up near their top of the list for teams that could make a run given the advantages they had going toward the playoffs. Carson Wentz is obviously not one of those. Uh, the Raiders have not beaten a lot of good quarterbacks this season. They do have nine wins, but they haven't really performed up to the level when they have had to go against a top-flight quarterback. Do you consider Justin Herbert to be a top-flight quarterback? Oh, that's tough. I mean, yes, kind of, um, because there are some games where he just doesn't perform like it, right? And I think if you really are a bona fide top flight quarterback, you don't go to Houston and lose the way that they lost uh, to the Texans a couple of weeks ago. And really, I mean, that loss is the only reason why this game has such meaning in the way that it does. Otherwise, the Chargers would have clinched a postseason berth by now. But at the same time, you know, there are throws that Justin Herbert makes that I don't know that anybody in this uh, in the league can make besides him, right? Even Patrick Mahomes, who I, you know, think is probably the greatest person to ever throw a football in the National Football League. So, you know, I just I think that yeah, he's on his way there, but I don't know that I would consider him to be quite elite yet. I think he's on the cusp of that. Um, but I, I don't know that he is. And because of the inconsistency, I do think that the Raiders have a decent shot at winning, especially if they've got a good home crowd. Well, Miles, keep in mind, uh, you can see Miles do his wonderful job on Peacock, which is in the oh, NBC. thank you, Adam. Well, uh, you're not going to like where I'm going. Uh, it's oh, in, the NBC f- <laughs> in the NBC family. Uh, was NBC taking a risk putting this game on, which could end up being somewhat meaningless on Sunday Night Football? And would you be here for the Raiders and Chargers taking turns, taking knees, and both getting in the playoffs if it came yes. down to that. Listen, I am all for team chaos. <laughs> so I don't know that it would be very good programming. So I hope none of the NBC higher ups are listening to me. But I think that would be incredible if, <laughs> you know, by some chance, the Jaguars defy all expectation and defeat the Colts on Sunday and then basically to keep them out of the postseason. And then in order to also keep either the Steelers 
or at the the Ravens out of the postseason, the Chargers and Raiders are just like, well, why the hell would we risk injury when we don't have to? Now, I, I, why? There's no there's no point because if you want to make a championship run, you're not going to face the Chargers until probably the AFC Championship game. So eh, what is what 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 is it? You know you know if you're the Chargers and the Raiders, what what do we gain by playing a game here? I don't think that they would necessarily do that. I think that teams happen to be a little bit too competitive for that. But I would be Team Chaos. I think that that would be really interesting. Welcome, because Team Chaos <laughs> is what is filling up this show today. We want. A zero-zero tie. We want Nate Sudfeld on steroids coming out of that Sunday night game. That's what we hell want. yeah. Total chaos, <laughs> uh, and total chaos is what you get in a league that is full of parity. In a league where anyone can win in any given week. So, Miles, it is week eighteen in the National Football League. Are there any good teams? Are there any teams that are better than anyone else? so clearly in any given week because we started to say it was the Chiefs again and they go lose in Cincinnati. We talk about Green Bay that way and we then have to remember that Tyler Huntley was a two-point conversion away from beating Green Bay and they were also four Baker Mayfield interceptions away from losing to Cleveland. Tampa Bay just goes and has to have a miracle at the end to beat the Jets. So who's good? I think the Packers are good. I think that good teams win those tight games and they find ways to win. And it's the same thing that, you know, you saw um, the Packers with Arizona earlier this year. I just, I feel like if the Packers are at their best, like, they're really, really, really hard to beat, especially in Lambeau in those conditions. And, you know, it's funny you brought up the four interceptions. I was talking to my mom last night and, you know, she's a big Browns fan. And she, I was basically kind of saying, like, I don't know who's going to go to Lambeau and beat the Packers. And she's like, well, if Baker Mayfield wasn't so <laughs> terrible, then we would have just done it on Christmas. And I was like, oh, well, I guess you're right. So I, it's, hard to, it's hard to really be like, yeah, the Packers are that elite. Um, I think the Rams are decent as long as they're not, like, inside their own 20 and having Matthew Stafford throw the football uh, because that's something that he obviously just can't do, and he loves throwing pick sixes right now, apparently. Um, but, yeah, I'm not sure who's really, really elite. I think the Titans have the potential to be elite, especially if Derrick Henry comes back and he's healthy and he's able to carry that team. Uh, I really see them running through the rest of the AFC, and he's uh, apparently supposed to start practicing tomorrow. I saw that out of um, Tennessee today. So I think the Titans are really good. I think Green Bay is really good. But, you know, that's obviously subject to change. Would you put the Colts in that category if Carson Wentz actually no. practices for a full week? No, I wouldn't. Because I don't think – sometimes I don't think it matters for Carson Wentz. I think <laughs> that he goes out there and he will just make whatever mistake he can. And, like, unfortunately, I mean – but he's not a terrible quarterback, but he's in that echelon of quarterbacks like Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, Baker Mayfield uh, in some ways. Maybe not. Maybe Baker Mayfield's a little bit worse. Right? But guys that are going to go out there and if you have a really, really good run game and you can prevent them from you know, making mistakes, you, you have the handcuffs on them the whole time, then yeah, they won't lose the game for you. But the minute you like start to loosen that key on the handcuffs, they'll just go crazy. They'll throw an interception. They'll fumble. He'll try to flip the ball forward underhand, and it'll be some stupid mistake, and then he ruins it. And so Frank Reich has even talked about the fact that, like, boy, they they need Carson. They're going to need Carson Wentz to be the guy, you know, quote unquote, 
to win and to do everything that they want to do and to accomplish what they want to accomplish. I can't see Carson Wentz being that guy. I really can't. And, you know, it, it was a great job by the Raiders to even though Jonathan Taylor went over 100 yards, you prevented them from winning because that's just been the formula for them all season long. If you make Carson Wentz win the game for them, then at some point Carson Wentz is going to make a mistake. So, Miles, back to the Raiders as we finish this up. They have had some odd ways of winning football games, haven't they? I, they're a mm-hmm. Nick Chubb fourth, uh, third down conversion away from not beating the Browns. They, they yep. have just some strange, strange games on their ledger, and I'm not sure what they're really great at, but here they are at 9-7 and seven with a chance to win their way into the playoffs. So let me ask you the simplest question of all. How are the Raiders winning games? Uh, they're, they're channeling the spirit of Al Davis and John Madden. Just win, baby. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, no, I, you know, I, I think part of it is leadership and part of it's belief. And I, I give Derek Carr a lot of credit for the way that he's kept the team together this year and he's kept everybody believing in what it is that they're doing. And so, you know, I, frankly, especially after the way they got blasted by the Chiefs in Kansas City, I didn't see this team doing anything close to what they've been able to do over the course of the last month, month and a half, whatever it's been, and keep themselves in playoff position. And not just that, but like actually get to nine wins to have a winning season, only the second winning season of Derek Carr's career. I really think there's something to be said for that, especially given all of the chaos that has surrounded this organization over the course of this season. So I, I think it's attitude and it's culture, and that's you know, it's not necessarily quantifiable, but I really do think that that's had a lot to do um, with the way that they've been able to win games. So I want to stick with the Raiders, but there's kind of there's a Raiders comment to a PFT story that just came out. So I'm going to I'll tie it in that way. Um, okay. yeah, pro, pro football talk story about Hub Arkish, uh, potent, one of the 50 voters for the MVP award who says he will absolutely not vote for Aaron Rodgers for MVP because he is a jerk. Um, and a bad guy, and that is a quote, uh, the biggest jerk yes. in the league, another quote from Hub Arkish. Uh, that was posted a little bit ago on Pro Football Talk. Casey Hayward from the Raiders said, and we let guys like Hub Arkish vote for awards and all pros, real flawed system, trash system of picking who votes. Is he right? Yes. Because, yeah. look, I mean, even if you're not, he as he said um, in that quote, and that's in the story at profootballtalk.com that you alluded to, Adam, that, you know, this Hub Arkish guy that he was talking about how you know, well, we're not supposed to necessarily say who we're voting for. That's the one thing that's against the rules. And I'm probably pushing the envelope by saying who I'm not voting for. But I think if that's the criteria you're using for an on-field award where, listen, the Packers have been the best team in the NFL, right? They've clinched the home field advantage. They have a chance to get to 14 wins. Nobody else has that opportunity. Nobody else can get any more than 12 or 13, right? So they've been the best team in the league and they have who the guy who has been the best quarterback in the league this year. And we can argue whether or not we think that the MVP should be a quarterback award. Frankly, I kind of think it is unless somebody's really, really out there breaking records and just doing stuff that we've never seen before. And, you know, to that point, I guess we could maybe get Cooper cup and TJ Watt into that conversation, not Jonathan Taylor, because he's not doing those things. But I, I just feel like this year, Aaron Rodgers has been fantastic on the field. The way that he and Matt LaFleur have that offense humming is really, really special. He and Devontae Adams have one of the most incredible wide receiver quarterback duos that we'll probably ever see. And 
if we're gonna just say, you know, well, he lied to the media and that makes him a jerk and that like, I don't like him lying either. I think he put people's health in danger and I really, really, really don't like that. But I think if you're gonna be an MVP voter, you have to be able to separate the two, right? It's an on-field award. We're not talking about how a guy is a good guy or bad guy or indifferent, right? Or he could be the greatest guy in the league. I mean, the, the NFLPA hands out a community MVP award every single week. Is Aaron Rodgers gonna win that award? No, probably not. That's supposed to be an award that goes to a good guy, right? But this, this is a totally different thing. And I think you'd be hard pressed to find anybody who's really serious about what that award is supposed to be. That's going to tell you, well, he shouldn't have it because he's a bad guy. Come on, kick rocks. I don't like that. <laughs> so, uh, Miles Simmons, big, big jerk, big, big jerk. All right, <laughs> oh, jerk. jerk. Hey, 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 jerk. Hey, jerk defender. Tell, <laughs> tell him where they can find your work, jerk. You can find my work at uh, profootballtalk.com and also uh, on Peacock. We've got Pro Football Talk PM. I'll be on there at uh, Wednesday and Friday, 2 p.m. Pacific. We'll be talking all things NFL as week 18 approaches. Later on, jerk. Thanks for the time. <laughs> See, Adams. I'm calling an audible. We were going to talk a little fat pack, but Adam Hill has promised us the greatest travel story in history. Or is it the worst travel story in history? Hmm. More of Cofield and Company is on the way, live in the Finley Toyota Studios. We don't mess around when it comes to food. It's the Fat Pack on Cofield and Company, brought to you by Nova Home Loans. You see a pair of laughing eyes. Oh, there's going to be and some talk of food. <laughs> I'm just hoping. Because somewhere within six hours of travel, I hope Adam Hill was able to feed himself. It's Cofield and Company. Adam Candy and Adam Hill on a company takeover Tuesday. Adam, in July, I flew to Indianapolis. Okay. Um, Lovely town. Cold. I got to tell you. It's it cold. was as uneventful of a trip as I've ever had. I boarded the plane. It was a nonstop flight. I landed in an airport that I like uh, in Indianapolis. I drove directly to one of my favorite delis in all of the country, uh, Shapiro's Deli, right down near the Banker's Life Fieldhouse. Sure. I had a fantastic lunch. I had deli meats. I had chicken matzo ball soup. It was glorious so i guess i don't understand how you had problems in indianapolis every time i go there for travel it's easy oh adam i love indianapolis i talk about that before the trip it's one of my favorite towns to go to the nfl and also i should be before we say this i know we always say we don't we don't tell you know nightmare travel stories on this show from the media because listen we're really going to complain we get to go travel and watch games for a living like that's not you know that's not something to complain about. And I am not complaining about this flight. I actually laughed. It, when I tell you about all the things that happened on this flight, all of these things are probably something you may have seen once or twice at an airport in your life. But for everything to happen on the exact same flight was insane. And I'm telling you that I laughed all night last night about this, not complained. So I'll, I'll start the story by saying the flight that was that we were going to, the plane we we're going to get on, lands in Indianapolis, you know, we're there, get on the, on the plane and a lady comes off and she's beside herself screaming and just yelling and, and causing a scene. Uh, apparently she has left her ID on the plane 
And nobody, you know, she's saying nobody's going to go find it for me. They say, okay, ma'am, we'll go try to find it for you. So they go down the plane. They look. They can't find it. They come out. They tell her, sorry, we couldn't find it. She loses it again. Go find it. The crew is, they're being so nice and so helpful to the lady. Okay, we'll go back and try to find it again. This goes on for a half hour. So we're delayed to get on the plane because they're trying to find this lady's ID. Totally fine. Okay, who cares? A little bit of a delay. As this is going on, important to note, there is a man who's about 60 who is getting ready to take his first ever flight. His wife and daughter are there trying to calm him down, saying, hey, it's normal. There's just a delay. Don't worry about it. We're going to get on the plane. And he is just freaking out. I don't want to get on. I don't want to do this. Whatever. We're fine. So that's going on while they're trying to find the lady's ID. No big deal. We're good. Yeah, these are normal occurrences. Normal these occurrences happen usually, fairly often. Right. Usually you don't see them both happening at the same time, but whatever. We're fine. They announce the names of nine passengers and say, come to the front. So I'm like, okay, this is already getting weird. I don't know what's happening. Uh, apparently, somebody on the plane before had become violently ill. And there was nine seats that were out of commission on the plane. Nine? Nine seats. Nine se- what sort of exorcist crap happened on this plane? <laughs> Nine seats. I don't want to know those details. I'm good. I'm just like, okay, there's well, there's another thing. That's that's fine. That's good. Whatever. We're moving on. We're getting on the plane. We're gonna fly home. So we get on the plane. I see the gentleman from the gate get on the plane. He closes his eyes, puts his hands over his eyes to walk on the plane. He's like, I don't want to see this. I don't know what's going on. Wherever they were going had to be very important. The wife and the daughter were just like, we just need to get on this one flight. And then, you know, whatever. I don't know what they were going to. I felt so bad for the wife and daughter trying to help this guy out. At some point, as we're trying to board and trying to figure out all the chaos of the missing seats, the guy goes into the bathroom and locks himself in. Oh, my God. Locks himself in and will just will not for anybody. Not for the wife, not for the flight attendants. He will not come out. He ain't coming out. So... The wife and the daughter are sobbing, <laughs> apologizing to everyone, and the flight attendant's like, we're so sorry. We just need to take this one flight. Like, please, just, we're trying to get him out. Everybody's begging him to come out. He won't come out. It's not going to happen. Obviously, we can't take off with the guy locked in the bathroom. It's not going to happen. So there's, like, all this discussion of what to do. How are we going to figure this out? It's probably more, it's more than a half hour. So we're an hour delayed at this point over a woman who lost her ID, someone who went chumbawamba on the seats, and a guy locked in the sure. airline lavatory. Yeah. Okay. And at this point, I'm like, well, I don't think we're ever leaving. Like, we're this is never coming out of here. I, I don't know what we're going to do. He comes out. He just, he's like, all right, I'm cool. Let's go. Like, <laughs> really? We're just, we're just going to go now? Fine. So, and I'll say, the rest of the flight, fairly uneventful. But I'm still, like, in shock of all this happening. So that's all done. We're good. That It's the craziest trip. I, I, I You see all these things happen. You're like, all right, that's nuts. So then we get to the airport in Vegas. We're standing there. I also forgot to mention there was a family with like five kids within like three years of each other. I don't even know how that's possible. Uh, all yeah, the kids. Uh, it was the wildest, yeah. the wildest kids you've ever seen. And the mom was just trying to round them all up. And the dad is like, these damn kids. Like, he, he, he was done with his life. He was, he was over it. He was, he was so over it. So we get to Vegas. We're waiting for the bags. These kids are running wild. One, one of them is running close to where the baggage carousel is. And another one trips over him. And the kid cuts his head open on the baggage claim carousel. Which, it, what, I don't want to say it's funny. 
It was kind of funny. But you're about to. It was but kind of funny. Like it wasn't. You know you're hurt. about to. He wasn't seriously hurt. He was just crying and bleeding. So now we've got to move yeah, the carousel. What, we, I we, mean, look, it's a kid crying sure. and bleeding. Who cares? But he was fine. I mean, it's not like his head was. Yeah, he couldn't see his bad. brain. He'll, he'll live. The death rate for kids hitting their heads on the baggage claim is really low. I mean, it happens. I mean, kids bleed all the time, right? I, I don't have them, but I think that's what they do. They just get hurt. So, so, but now. We've got to decide, okay, we've got to move the bags to another carousel. Like, we can't use this carousel. There's a kid crying and bleeding over here. So now it's just one. For, and this, there's the guy that was on the flight. He goes, all right. He goes, what What else? <laughs> what else can happen? I'm like, I don't know, man. But I want to interview in case I write a book down the road. <laughs> and he said that was fine. So I did like a mock interview with this guy and got it ready. I was like, all right, let me take some notes on this. Because when I write my book down the road about this flight, which was the – how do all those things happen on one flight? It was nuts. But hopefully the kid's okay. That, I think that's that's what matters, right? You're supposed to say that. You know the kid was okay. Yeah, you he already, was fine. You already declared him okay. You already said well, I'm not the a bleeding doctor. child on the floor of McCarran. I'm sorry, Harry Reid Airport. Yes, thank you. The bleeding child on the floor of Harry Reid Airport was really no problem. It was just the inconvenience of the whole thing that you had to move to another carousel. The kid looked like he was fine. I think He's if you can, fine. if you can cry, Clean up on aisle three. <laughs> if you can cry, you're okay. You're not like dead. Someone pick up this child. <laughs> He's in the way of my suitcase. By the way, it wasn't going to be the dad. That dad was like, whatever, kid. You, you, no. you get what you deserve. No, I mean, look, <laughs> that, that dad was just happy he only had to watch four at the moment because he knew exactly where the fifth kid was going to be <laughs> for at least the next five or ten minutes. <laughs> Sam Paniotovich is going to talk to Adam Hill about crazy travel stories, maybe a little bit about Mac Jones. Offensive Rookie of the Year. And did that guy ever get him his bottle of tequila? It's Cofield and Company's Eye on Sports Gambling. I'm going to kill your bookmaker. I'm going to rip his throat out. I will step on his throat until the man chokes. Let me tell you how. Winners, 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 winners. Free, 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 free. Stu knows what time it is. It's the Eye on Sports Betting here on Cofield and Company. Adam's family takeover. Adam Hill, Adam Candy, Ari, the Finley Toyota Studios. Our man, Nesson's own, Fox Sports' own, Sammy P, is on the line. Before we get to all of the NFL awards talk, Sam, we rekindled on social media the discussion last week of the Welcher on your bottle of tequila bet. Do you have any update for us? Has Kieran McGurl owned up to what he has so disrespectfully denied you for so long what do you think <laughs> i want to i just want to hear a good piece of positive news about this no he has continued to ignore the issue he blocked me on every single account that i have which actually is only two my personal and then my chicken dinner account and i've had multiple people that i work with that used to work with him reach out and be like yo a bottle of tequila it's like 50 bucks just pony up and pay for it and i guess he's blocked them as well so definition of a groundhog talk smack stands on top of the mountain he said the braves wouldn't make the playoffs they end up winning the world series it's just it's the tragic arc of every tragic hero he and he is uh, yes mr mcgurl is definitely uh, a flawed hero in this story um Sam, we're going to start talking about what's important to me because that's the way that these shows should go anyway. This is what's important to me. As someone holding Mac Jones for Offensive Rookie of the Year at 10-1, to 1, uh, 
I am not in love with uh, the Kansas City Chiefs tackling and Jamar Chase running all over uh, the Kansas City defense because it certainly feels like that blow up is going to be what gets Jamar Chase that award. I'm nervous as well. You and I are lockstep. We both have 10 to 1. I think we actually talked about this when you were hosting with Cofield back in early, actually late August, because DraftKings at that point was dealing Cam at minus 350 to be the week one starter, and Mac was about plus 275 or something. And DraftKings pulled those odds off the board on a Tuesday morning, and we, the three of us, had discussed, hey, I think Mac is going to be the week one starter. So, I don't think it was a position, Candy, and correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think we all thought that Mac was going to win. We just thought that 10-1 to was a really good number. Agreed. And then a couple days later, they cut Cam. Mac becomes a starter. And most books moved into about 350, 4-1, And at that point, 10-1 to is a great bet. Mac has been the favorite for half the season. That being said, man, he was minus 400 heading into week 17, heading into this past weekend. And he actually had a pretty decent game. He threw for 227, three touchdowns, no picks. But Jamar Chase had the highlight reel game. 11 catches, 266 yards, and three touchdowns. And betters clearly are affected by recency bias. Chase had an all-world game. It was a flashy game at the right time. But the question that I keep asking myself rhetorically should that have moved the market six plus dollars? Because remember, Mac was minus 400 going into week 17, and now Chase is minus 225. Can you justify that big of a move off one week? No, no, <laughs> pretty crazy. I don't think so. So, <laughs> I would, I would estimate that if you were going to make a true number on offensive rookie of the year market. Considering both resumes, full season, head-to-head, it should be at this point minus 110 each way. But here's what the sports books do. They know that after this past Sunday, 7 out of 10 people would bet Jamar Chase at minus 110. So let's just jack it the hell up. Let's skip through 150, 200. Let's move it to minus 225. And now we make it sort of you know, enticing to find the middle of that number. But if you're asking me, somebody who has 10 to 1 who's already invested, I think there's value now on Mac at plus 180 or so. Yeah. I think you make you make a good point for it. And I, I also want to follow it up on uh, some MVP odds talk because I know myself, I tweeted after that Buccaneers game uh, where it was just a complete disaster against the Saints – Congratulations to Aaron Rodgers on winning another MVP award. But now we have the story today of Hub Arkish who said, and I think people are missing this part of it. There's only 50 voters for the MVP. He said he's not voting for Aaron Rodgers because he thinks he's a jerk. Okay, so let's say that's only 49 voters now that have a chance to vote for Aaron Rodgers. The key part of Hub Arkish's comment, and listen, he's a guy that talks to a lot of people around the league, a lot of the voters, a lot of the old school media, and... He said not only him, but several other voters that he's talked to also will not vote for Aaron Rodgers. So that, I would think, would open the market up a little bit because right now Aaron Rodgers is a pretty prohibitive favorite. 
you cannot bet Aaron Rodgers right now. There's absolutely no point because this is the most expensive it's been all season. He's minus 400 at DraftKings. Other books are four and a quarter, 450. So if you think of it comparatively, Adam, before the Buccaneers got shut off by the Saints, Tom Brady was minus 175. 175 wins 100. Rodgers is 5-1, 550. At that point, I'm on Fox doing a video show, and somebody said, hey, would you bet Aaron Rodgers? And I went, <laughs> there's no way the voters are going to vote for this guy because they're going to make this semi-political. They're going to vote against him because he held his team hostage. They're going to vote against him because he missed a game because he wasn't vaccinated. I thought that two, three weeks ago. So there is no way in hell I'm going to sit here on Tuesday, January 4th, and tell you to bet Aaron Rodgers at minus 400. There's no shot. Um, you know, Brady, 5-6 to 1. That would be the only other way I would look. I'm not betting Burrow 10 to 1. He's a late charger. Late chargers always burn out in the voting. Jonathan Taylor, eh, he's been awesome, but he's not winning MVP. It's Rodgers against Brady, but, you know, if you were to ask me who would you vote for MVP, I'd say Rodgers. If you were to ask me who would I bet – I'm taking the five to one dog, not the four to one favorite. That makes perfect sense. I mean, you, you can't go that way with Rodgers. I don't know if you would have gone that way with Rodgers based on price alone, but now you hear this story about Hub Arkish and and whether the old school media is going to hold the off the field stuff, and I guess not all off the field, but largely off the field stuff against Aaron Rodgers. Uh, this week in particular, with Aaron Rodgers sitting out and a number of teams with sketchy motivation, feels even more difficult than the last couple of weeks have been trying to navigate the COVID list and the changing protocols from the NFL. Where are you even going as a starting point trying to bet Week 18? I don't know if I'm going to make a single bet, honestly. And you guys know I'm very selective as it is. I have no initiative to fire out locks. I'm not selling picks. I want you to make money. I don't feel like I have many edges in week 18. And somebody asked me this morning, what's the difference between week one and week 18? I said, it's very simple. Week one, you can key in on teams that the market undervalues. If a team had a bad season the, the previous year and, and nobody's trying to bet them, you can take full advantage of that. On the other side of that equation, if a team is too sexy, like Buffalo was coming into this season, laying six and a half, seven against Pittsburgh. You can fade the over adjustment and the over hype. You can't do that in week 18. You're not really, you're not betting on or against over under reactions. You're betting on motivation between a lot of teams that have no skin in this game. Most of these teams either have nothing to play for because they're already in and have clinched their seed or they're out of the playoffs and literally have nothing to play for. So it's it's so hard, man. Like, who do you bet in, in a game like Seattle and Arizona, where Arizona's in no matter what, Seattle's got nothing to play for, and Arizona could find out at halftime that their seed is solidified and they just bench everybody. So if you if you lay six and a half with Arizona and it's ten to ten at half, and all of a sudden Kingsbury says, All right, anybody who has a pulse hit the pine. Now your bet, which was, okay, maybe decent, now it's just pathetic because nobody good is going to get you to that number. So it's worse than bowl season, Candy, because motivation in the NFL in the final week is almost impossible to pinpoint. And then you have teams whose narratives change 
mid-game. Um, you know, that, that game, that Indianapolis-Jacksonville game. If Indianapolis wins, you know, there's a trickle-down effect between other teams in that conference, in the AFC. So it's very hard, man. Like, I, I honestly don't think I'm going to make any bets in Week 18, and that's okay. If you don't have an edge, you shouldn't make a bet. That's the truth. And I mean, what would you tell people about listening to what people say this week? Uh, because, you know, I, I'll give you one. Adam Adam just said, well, Aaron Rodgers isn't playing. Aaron Rodgers says he's playing. Uh, I don't believe it. I, I don't think that it's smart of them. I, I don't think it's actually going to happen when, you know, it comes down to it. Maybe he plays a series or two. I don't think he's going to play the whole game, but he says he is. So how careful do you have to be with, like, players' quotes and media reports throughout the week? You almost have to ignore everything. Like, I don't believe a lot of stuff as it is, and that's sad to say, but I, I don't believe – and I like Aaron Rodgers. Like I said, if I had an MVP vote, I'd vote for him, but I don't believe that he's true to his word at this point. If anything, he's been more misguided and calculated than ever before. Um, I think if you're looking to make one bet, this is the most interesting bet that, that I have uh, for Week 18 – Look for the team that just completely crumbled this year and had expectations and fell flat. A team like Minnesota, you know, had a win total nine, nine and a half. They were supposed to be a playoff team. They're clearly out of the picture. You know, Mike Zimmer is on the way out. And now Chicago's like, they got something to prove. Like, they've actually played well in their last two, three weeks. Minnesota on the look ahead was minus six. Now they're minus two and a half, minus two. Chicago's getting the cash, boys. I mean, it's obvious that the sharp money took Chicago at three when it reopened. They're taking two and a half down to two. Chicago could very easily win this game because Minnesota's without Adam Thielen. Dalvin Cook might not play. Kirk Cousins might not play. Who knows about other guys, you know? And, and is there any incentive for them to come out and try or care? Minnesota has absolutely no reason to give a damn on Sunday. And that's a team I would probably look to bet against. Sammy, last question before we let you go here. How you bet in Super Bowl futures? Whew, it's a very good question. You know, who would I bet right now given the number? You know, I've got some I've got some Green Bay at seven to one. I've got some Chiefs seven to one to win the conference. You can't bet those two right now. If Tampa can get healthy on offense and they can make some things work that defense is still good enough to win a Super Bowl. I believe that wholeheartedly. And if you think about the number, Tampa at 10 to 1, 11 to 1 if you shop around, you haven't found that price since like October of last season. Remember, they opened this year 5 to 1, 550. They were never double digits. And now because Antonio Brown's out of the way, Mike Evans a little banged up, Godwin's off for the year, there are some issues. But it's still Brady in the postseason. I've lost so much money trying to be cute and bet against Tom Brady in the postseason. Until he's dead, it's tough. It's so tough to count them out. At 11-1 to 1 on Tampa, I've certainly made worse bets. I think they go to the NFC title game. Sammy, great stuff as always. We will talk to you soon, buddy. All right, gentlemen. See you later. Big Five coming up. The crew over at Finley Toyota speak Spanish, Thai, and even Persian. In fact, they speak 14 different languages. Come in and talk.